Welcome to Music History Monday for February 20th, 2023. I'm Bob Greenberg, and the title of today's podcast is Gioacchino Rossini's The Barber of Seville. If you haven't already, please consider joining me on my subscription site at patreon.com slash robertgreenbergmusic, where I blog, vlog, podcast, pontificate, review, and bloviate four to six times a week. We mark the premiere performance on February 20th, 1816, 207 years ago today, of Gioacchino Rossini's comic opera masterwork, The Barber of Seville, at Rome's famed Teatro Argentina. The Natural Gioacchino Antonio Rossini was born on February 29th, bummer of a birthday, 1792, in the Italian city of Pissarro on the Adriatic Sea. He died of colorectal cancer on November 13, 1868, in his villa in Passy, which today is located in Paris's chic 16th arrondissement. He was the only child of Giuseppe Rossini, 1758-1839, and Anna, born Giudarini Rossini, 1771-1827. Rossini's father, Giuseppe, was a professional trumpet and horn player, and as such was Gioacchino's first music teacher. Uh, the adult Rossini liked to say that, quote, Sono figlio di corna. I am the son of a horn. Unquote. Well, son of a horn he might have been, but when it came to his real musical education, it was as the son of an opera singer. Rossini's mother, Anna, was, at the time of his birth in 1792, a seamstress by trade. But changes in Italian society allowed her to make a second career as a professional singer. According to Rossini's biographer, Richard Osborne, Rossini, Oxford University Press, quote, Italian society began to change in the late 1790s, not least in the arts, where a process of democratization set in. Admission to academic institutions became easier for ordinary folk. New music was encouraged from a wider variety of sources. Ticket prices fell. Women found it easier to take paid employment on the stage. The last development had enormous repercussions for the Rossini family, as it allowed Anna Rossini to earn useful money as a singer." Unquote. According to her son, Gioacchino, Anna Rossini was a natural, with a voice, to quote her son, as sweet as her appearance. Unquote. She wasn't able to read music, but like her son, Gioacchino, she had a phenomenal musical memory. Altogether, she mastered and performed 15 roles, all of them from comic operas. Anna Rossini began her singing career in the 1797-1798 season at Ancona's Teatro della Fenice, where she performed as the second soprano in operas by Giovanni Paisiello, 
1740 to 1816, Domenico Cimarosa, 1749 to 1801, and Giovanni Battista Martini, 1706 to 1784. She concluded her career in the fall of 1808 as the prima donna assoluta, the absolute first lady, the starring soprano, at the Teatro Comunale in Bagnacavallo, a town about 50 miles northwest of Pissarro. By the time Gioacchino was 10 years old, he was going on tour with his mother, watching rehearsals from the house and following performances from backstage. It was a musical and operatic education like no other, and by the age of 13, he was hooked. He was a person of the theater. As it turned out, Anna wasn't the only musical natural in the Rossini clan. At 13, Gioacchino began performing as an opera singer himself, first as an alto, and then in 1806, at the age of 14, as a tenor. At the same time, he had begun composing. In 1804, at the age of 12, he wrote a set of six sonatas for four strings, which were performed at the home of a wealthy patron. Soon enough, he had composed, among other works, a mass and a cantata. This sort of talent, as both a performer and as a composer, caught the eye and ear of the talent scouts from the newly opened Liceo Musicale di Bologna, today the Conservatorio Giovanni Battista Martini, or simply the Bologna Conservatory. Rossini entered the Bologna Conservatory at the age of 14 in 1806. He studied singing, cello, piano, and composition. While a student at the conservatory, Rossini continued to perform on the outside as a singer. He worked as an accompanist and vocal coach, a position known in the trade as a repetiteur, and as a solo pianist. As such, he lived two parallel musical lives, a conservatory student by day and a professional singer and instrumentalist at night. And while Rossini would be the first to admit that he did indeed learn at the conservatory what he needed to learn, it is also said, with more than just a little justification, that his real teachers were Joseph Haydn, 1732 to 1809, and Wolfgang Mozart, 1756 to 1791. In Haydn and Haydn's music, Rossini found a kindred spirit, writes Richard Osborne, quote, here in Haydn was a man of energy and wit, a natural composer with whom Rossini could readily identify, unquote. In Mozart, Rossini found simply unparalleled greatness. Of Mozart's Italian language operas, Rossini wrote, quote, the Germans have always been at all times the greatest harmonists, and the Italians the greatest melodists. But from the moment the North produced a Mozart, we of the South were beaten on our own ground, because this man rises above all nations, uniting in himself 
the charm of Italian melody, and all the profundity of German harmony. He is the only musician who had as much knowledge as genius, and as much genius as knowledge." Unquote. In his later years, Rossini, who incidentally was one of the most quotable musicians ever, wrote that Mozart was, quote, the inspiration of my youth, the desperation of my mature years, and the consolation of my old age, unquote. The career explodes. In 1810, the 18-year-old Rossini composed his first two operas, a two-act dramatic opera entitled Dimitrio e Polibio, commissioned by a well-known tenor named Domenico Mombelli, and a one-act comedy, or farsa, meaning farce, entitled La Cambiale di Matrimonio, which means the marriage contract. For our information, Rossini was paid what he considered to be a princely fee of 40 scudi, large silver pieces, for the score of the marriage contract. He later wrote, quote, 40 scudi was an amount I had never seen together in one place, unquote. Scudi aside, Rossini's first two operas were both smash hits. And just like that, this 18-year-old composer was on his way. He moved to Venice and began to turn out operas at an astounding rate for a wide variety of opera houses. In 1812, his two-act comedy, La Pietra del Paragone, the touchstone, commissioned by and performed at La Scala in Milan, ran for an extraordinary 53 performances. Not only did the opera make a small fortune for the now 20-year-old Rossini, but its success earned him an exemption from military service. During those Napoleonic times, compulsory military service was nearly unavoidable and earned for him as well the unofficial title of Maestro di Cartello, meaning a composer whose name on posters guaranteed a full house. In 1813, the 21-year-old Rossini scored a huge hit at Venice's La Fenice with his serious opera Tancredi. And just a few weeks later, he scored another box office smash with the hastily composed comedy L'Italiana in Algeri, The Italian Girl in Algiers, in May of 1813. The young dude was on fire. And the hits continued, so much so that in 1815, at the still tender age of 23, Rossini was given the directorship of all the royal theaters in Naples, including the famed Teatro di San Carlo, Naples's leading opera house and one of the greatest opera houses in all the world. My goodness, how we must marvel at the energy of Rossini's youth. Between the years 1815 and 1822, between the ages of 23 and 30, he composed 18 operas, nine of them for houses in Naples and nine for opera houses in other cities. Among those nine for other cities was one composed in 1816 when Rossini was 24 
for the ultra-prestigious Teatro Argentina in Rome, an opera eventually entitled The Barber of Seville, or The Useless Precaution. The Barber of Seville. On December 26, 1815, the 23-year-old operatic wunderkind Joachino Rossini signed a contract to compose an opera to be produced at the Sumptuous Teatro Argentina in Rome. It was decided that the new opera would be based on Pierre Beaumarchais' spectacularly popular play, The Barber of Seville, which was itself first performed in 1775. Rossini was not the first Italian composer to set the play to music, and therein lies the reason why the first performance in Rome, which occurred 207 years ago today, was a fiasco. Here's the scoop. The first Italian composer to set the barber to music was Giovanni Paisiello, who was born in Roccaforzata, Italy, in 1740, and died in Naples in 1816. His operatic version of The Barber of Seville was first performed in 1782. Although Paisiello is almost entirely forgotten today, he was, in his lifetime, among the most famous, successful, and popular opera composers of his time. He composed an absolutely absurd amount of music, including 94 operas, a tremendous amount of church music, including passions, oratorios, sacred cantatas, canticles, hymns, psalms, and eight masses, over 50 instrumental works, including nine string quartets and eight concerti for keyboard, 20 secular cantatas, and a huge number of standalone songs. His operas, written in the direct, tuneful, so-called Neapolitan style, were instrumental, pun intended, in popularizing the newfangled genre of comic opera, or opera buffa, that was embraced by audiences across Europe during the Enlightenment. Most important, at least to my mind, is that Paisiello's over 80 comic operas had a decisive influence on one Wolfgang Mozart, who went on to elevate the popular genre of opera buffa to the level of highest art. Paisiello's single most popular opera was The Barber of Seville or The Futile Precaution, composed while he was living in St. Petersburg and working for the Russian Empress Catherine II, Catherine the Great. Paisiello's Barber created a sensation when it was performed in St. Petersburg in 1782, and it created a sensation when it was performed in Italy. It went on to become an Italian audience favorite for many decades. Back then to 1816, young though he was, Rossini knew that he would have to take some useful precautions if his operatic version of The Barber was going to go over with the Italian public. So he sat down and wrote the 75-year-old Paisiello a letter. Many years later, Rossini described his letter this way, quote, I declared to him 
that I had not wanted to enter into a contest with him, being aware of my inferiority, but had wanted only to treat a subject that delighted me, while avoiding as much as possible the exact situations in his opera." Paisiello appeared satisfied with Rossini's obsequies. He replied that he took no offense and that he wished Rossini's opera well. The management of the Teatro Argentina in Rome also took what it considered to be useful precautions. Anticipating trouble from the public, which considered Paisiello's Barber to be a sanctified classic, management printed a lengthy warning to the public, stating that, out of respect and veneration for the greatly celebrated Paisiello, Rossini's opera was based on a substantially different version of the play and was retitled as Almaviva, or The Useless Precaution. Alas, the efforts of Rossini and the theater management to allay anger over their remake of The Barber of Seville turned out to be futile precautions. That's because Paisiello's legion of fans, the so-called Paisialisti, were not to be placated, and they made the first performance of Rossini's The Barber of Seville, as it is now universally known, on February 20th, 1816, a fiasco. We must remember that for the Italians, opera is a contact sport, and as such, the Paisialisti decided to treat Rossini's opera with the same quiet and respect that Marjorie Taylor Greene showed President Joe Biden during his State of the Union address. The Paisialisti were well organized, and with their constant jeering, catcalling, hissing, and whistling, they made the performance a living hell for the rest of the audience and the performers. Under such circumstances, it should come as no surprise that there were problems on stage. The singer portraying Don Basilio, a bass named Zenobio Vitarelli, tripped on a trap door during his initial entrance and did a face plant on the hard wooden stage. His nose broken, he bled like a stuck pig throughout the performance. According to Rossini's friend and opening night attendee, Alex Jacob Azevedo, quote, the good public, like its ancestors in the Colosseum, viewed that flow of blood with joy. It laughed, it applauded, it demanded a repetition. In a word, made an abominable hubbub, unquote. And then, and then there was the cat. Again, Alex Jacob Azevedo describes what happened. Quote, As a climax to the disaster, a cat appeared during the superb finale, mixing among the performers. Figaro, played by Luigi Zamboni, chased it off to one side. It returned from the other and hurled itself into the arms of Bartolo. Bartolomeo Botticelli. Berta, played by Elisabetta Loisele, fearing scratches, evaded with the greatest liveliness the prodigious leaps of the panicked animal, and the charitable audience called out to it, imitated its meowing, and encouraged it to proceed with its improvised role." Unquote. 
After this premier performance, Rossini returned to his hotel room and wrote his mother a surprisingly mature letter in which he told her about the protest but assured her that the music was good and that the second performance, the next night, would be a triumph. And that it was, although Rossini was not there to experience it. Suffering a sudden and understandable case of cold feet, he feigned illness and went to bed. He was awakened by a mob carrying torches headed directly for his hotel. Convinced that they were coming to lynch him, Rossini slipped out of his room and hid in the stables behind the hotel. Rossini picks up the story. Quote, but lo, after a few moments, I heard Manuel Garcia, who played Count Almaviva in the opera, calling me at the top of his voice. Get a move on you! Come now, listen to those shouts of bravo, bravissimo Figaro! An unprecedented success! The street is full of people who want to see you! Tell them, I answered, still heartsick over the previous night, to go F themselves, their bravos and all the rest. I'm not coming out of here! Unquote. Rossini did eventually come out from his hiding place in the hotel stables to enjoy the acclaim, and his barber has gone on to be embraced as a timeless masterwork, a cornerstone of the operatic repertoire. Conversely, the popularity and fame of Paiviello's barber diminished in proportion to the rise of Rossini's. By 1850, Paiviello's opera was but a footnote and fairly or unfairly, so it remains today. Thank you. To sample and download one or all of my many courses on subjects musical produced by The Great Courses slash The Teaching Company, please visit my website at robertgreenbergmusic.com.